You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hi, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, good to have you here for another episode. After that first gasp at birth, the next sound from a baby is typically a cry. And there's a lot more where that came from. Childhood comes with a lot of tears. Yep, kids cry when they're hungry, when they're tired, when you leave them, when they don't get what they want, and when they're just having a bad day. Yes, have you seen that video <laughs> of the three-year-old just boohooing over Justin Bieber? Have no, you seen that? Oh my not. gosh. Well, we'll put a link on our website to the YouTube, but that is amazing. She's so sad. She just loves Justin Bieber. <laughs> well, if you poll most parents what they want most for their child, they'll say, I just want my child to be happy. And if this is your goal, all those tears can be pretty distressing for you. It can bring up feelings in you of feeling helpless, frustrated, worried, and like a failure at some level. How we react to our kids' emotions plays a part in helping them or hindering them in developing their own emotional regulation. Yeah, so this is part three of our series that we're sprinkling through this winter and spring about helping your child through emotions. Let's talk about the sad child Mm -hmm. today. So sadness, like all the other feelings we've got wired into us, is normal and okay. And it's not unusual for children to experience it. Many kids experience persistent and frequent sadness at points during their childhood. But only about 2 to 3% of young kids will experience the type and extent that might be diagnosed as a formal depressive disorder. Right. So that's not what we're talking about today. No, that would be worth a whole other episode probably. But today we're talking just about typical childhood sadness. Mm-hmm. It's logical. We know that kids are more likely to experience sad moods when they're dealing with tough situations like family separations, loss, grief. Uh, maybe sickness in the family, poverty, even learning problems can cause a child to kind of spiral into that. Children, as we know, refer to our previous episode, need (laughs) routine and structure to feel secure and safe. So disruptions to their normal can really shift their foundations and stir up some big emotions. Yep. And some of us are just wired due to personality and heredity with big feelings. So these can be more creative kids. They can be more quiet kids and sensitive to a lot of things like noise and environment, but also sensitive to emotion. Which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. They're just made differently. So we've said it before, and it's worth repeating. You as a parent are not responsible for your child's feelings. You are responsible for nurturing and meeting your child's needs. But this isn't the same as fixing their emotions or their feelings. Yeah, and that's worth just pausing on because it can be startling when you have a distinctly different reaction to emotions than your own child. <laughs> right. And and you can immediately go into fix mode. Like, whoa, this is a problem. So I've said before on the podcast, my first child, Emma, um, was a very emotional child. She felt very deeply, which brings all these beautiful like empathy qualities, but also a lot of sadness. And if you don't help your child learn to deal with that can bring unforgiveness, Mm. you know, and let seeds of bitterness, you know, go down into their hearts. So I, I, my first impulse was like, what is wrong with this kid that she (laughs) cannot like even hear me speaking and not be sad. 
and collapsing into tears. Mm -hmm. And then my second response was, maybe I need to change how I'm reacting to my child so that she can hear me. I'm the adult here. Right. I need to adapt. (laughs) It's good to remind yourself of that every now and then. I I am supposed to be a (laughs) grown-up. That's right. So, it, you know, we don't want to fix our children, but we really do want to equip them to just deal with these emotions that are coming up. It's a lifelong skill, really. Totally is. So if you think of it like that, like... You're not trying to fix it. You're trying to set them up for success in the future because there's going to be sadness in the future. There'll be anger in the future. There'll be fear in the future. How do we work through these things? Absolutely. So when we let go of these unrealistic expectations of fixing someone else's feelings, and this goes for anyone. We're talking about our children, but this can be your friend's feelings or your mother-in-law's feelings, (laughs) your husband's feelings. You give yourself space to focus on your own reaction to their strong or uncomfortable feelings. Right. So if you can just take a beat and your child's upset and spiraling into this, I'm so sad about whatever, just take a beat and go, wait, why am I upset about this? Why am I upset Mm -hmm. about this? Mm -hmm. Then you can be a little more emotionally available to them to help comfort and calm them without actually needing them to calm down. I think that's a really important point. Um, If you can figure out why (laughs) this is triggering you and why is it that I need them to be happy? Mm. Why is it that I need them to stop crying? Is it okay? Maybe it's loud, and you don't like loud. That's one thing. But if it's because you can't stand to disappoint people, yeah, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, or I just don't like my day disrupted by your feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't get that luxury as a parent. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> We're all in this together, that's and right. <laughs> and so you're right. Like, what is so? If you're in a restaurant, yeah, you might want to be courteous to the other patrons. But if you're just living your life, if you're in your car, or you're at your house or at the park, you know, take a moment and see, okay, am I, am I just wanting the convenience of moving along here? Right. So there's a, the restaurant situation is an interesting one because say your child melts down at a restaurant, which never happens. Right. No, I don't know. This is all theory for us. Yeah, hypothetical, <laughs> completely. But say that happens and one scenario is yes, I want to be courteous to the other people around me. Um, that's one way of thinking about it, which is legitimate and fair. Why you need them to calm down. Another one might be, all of these people in this room are going to think that I'm a terrible parent. Oh, right. That's not a legitimate need to make your child calm down. No. So do you see the difference? And mm-hmm. one is a like, okay, I'm thinking of somebody else. One is I am needing this for my own validation, mm-hmm. which is not something we need to parent from. No, that's right. That's right. So that's why, yeah, in that restaurant scenario, my first impulse would just be, let's just walk outside. Right. That way we don't have to shut it down immediately. We can just take it out. Take it outside. <laughs> that's right. For throwdown. <laughs> just kidding. No throwdowns. No throwdowns. Right. Remember that? Catch me outside. How about that? Uh-huh. So, okay, Ooh. what might it look like if you have a child who's frequently sad? They might have less interest in socializing. They might find that life requires more effort or they just don't feel like being physically active or doing the activities they used to and just plain old crying more often. Yep. They can be irritable about everything, complain about pain or fatigue. They may appear to have low self-esteem and say things like, I'm no good. Yeah. Like we didn't allow that kind of self-talk, you know, around our house. Like you're not saying those kind of lies Mm -hmm. to yourself, but that, that can just be a natural inclination of some children. Yeah, there used to be um, a nursery rhyme that I used to say. You remember that one about 
Um, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Oh, that? was that a book? Big, fat, juicy ones. Everybody <laughs> squirmy ones. Oh, how my tummy squirms. Wait, wait, you know, it's not a bad idea to diffuse this situation yeah. with humor. Yeah. Like, really, it's not so bad. You want to go eat worms. <laughs> so how can we how can we work through this? Oh, that's that's funny. Um, well, some of those kids that we mentioned earlier, that ones with big feelings, can become sad in empathetic ways. Mm. So... You know, when you read a really sad book or you watch a really sad movie or they see something in the news that's disturbing or even sometimes a poster about a lost dog, the hurt of the world can become their hurt. And they emphasize really, really deeply and personally take on those burdens. Okay. Emma, Emma, good one. If you're listening right now, fill in the blank. (laughs) I cried when mom read books about blank. Yeah. Okay, when mom read books about war, when mom read books about animals dying, when mom yeah. read books about the kid who didn't have a friend, when bo- mom read books, <laughs> I mean, she felt like every character in the story deserved to have someone weep for them. Yes. Uh, what a wonderful, compassionate <laughs> feeling, really. Did. That's a great impulse. It really is. It we really wore me like, out. <laughs> we need more people like that. We do. It's a beautiful quality. You're great, Emma. It's but, awesome. But that's not how Renee was reading the book. <laughs> it was not. She's like, war happened. You it know? just it's happens. A thing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because <laughs> you don't want to fix oh. that impulse. You're right. You're right. I mean, the world does need compassionate, empathetic people. I'm thinking of our friend Dawn, who always makes me feel like... right. Right, there's other people around. You have feelings. We need to think about them right. and care about them. If if I see somebody else crying, and I'm not the most empathetic person, but it will always make me cry. Like I don't even have to know you. I know that's an You're odd a and great quality in you, Bonnie. It's unexpected with your personality, and I like it a lot. Well, it, there it is. I can't really. It's control good. It. You and Dawn both are great at that. I have not reached that summit of empathy. <laughs> I don't know if it's a summit, but <laughs> it's when, beautiful. Anyway, if you leave that to go unharnessed, though, if you feel deeply like that for everything, then you can just be generalized sad. Yeah. I mean, there's always, you can always yeah. find something sad in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my husband is really good at this and um, finding sad things. Yeah. Like, he's really good at like feeling other people's feelings and empathizing with them, crying with them. Mm-hmm. It's what makes him really good at his job he's that listener. he's had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a great listener. And I'm just like, when he gets home and he's really sad about a client, you know, they've had a really difficult life event. I'm like, okay, like, I'm glad you shared with me about your day. So let's put that in a box and like, let's get on with our night. You know, like he carries it with him. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's put it in a box, set it aside. I'm ready to have our fun. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's probably doing what we're going to tell parents not to do. Because that's your need. (laughs) Because that's my need. (laughs) (laughs) I'm realizing (laughs) Sorry, honey. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, well, yeah. yeah. But those qualities are great. I admire them a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, I guess we need to talk about how is this different from depression? How is just generalized sadness different from depression? And I think while lots of children and teenagers especially experience moodiness and growing pains, depression goes beyond those temporary changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can impact every aspect of your child's life. It's an actual mood disorder. Uh, that can be treated. That's right. That's right. So what you'll look for, especially in your preteen teens, is are these kinds of things, sadness or hopelessness that lingers. I read one article that said like more than a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's kind of a morose, mm-hmm. mopey. 
mm-hmm. unsocial yeah. behavior. Yeah. Um, the sadness is um, manifested in a decline in school performance or social isolation. Mm-hmm. There can be changes in eating patterns, changes in weight, both directions. Right. So some of us don't eat when we're depressed. And some of us only and eat. And some of us only eat when we're <laughs> right. depressed. That's right. Yep. It can mess up your sleep. You can lose interest in activities. Maybe you used to love to go outside and play soccer, and now soccer is just like, eh, I don't even care anymore. You might feel guilty or have a hard time concentrating. And then just obvious tearfulness or frequent crying. And a lot of times they'll just have trouble articulating why. Mm-hmm. And anger. Yeah. You know, mine manifested yes. in an angry outburst a mm-hmm. lot. So there's there's that as well. That's right. So depression is a deeper medical issue. The great news is there's lots of good tools right. out there to help with this. Um, there's medication, there's counseling, exercise, self-talk, all the, all these things that you can come at this problem and help fix it. But we're going to talk today just about sadness, mm-hmm. just sadness in our children, not depression. Yes. So as we said before, are there any bad emotions? Okay. Do you say no, but I have to give a ca- caveat, Bonnie. Okay. So I think that there are bad responses to emotions. So I think that, uh, I think of myself, like in my 20s, I think I was characterized by being quick to be angry. Okay, same. So we've said, you know, like being angry is not, um, it's, the anger itself can be really beautiful. It means you care mm-hmm. or um, there's an injustice that's happening. Right. You know, it, But then sometimes it's just from like, I'm inconvenienced or I'm embarrassed or I'm, PMSing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think I was thinking about my own life and just going, okay, I I guess what has happened to help me move into maturity and like regulating my emotions is that two things. So like there's spiritual disciplines that you can practice. So like repentance and asking for forgiveness mm-hmm. when you do that and you do that enough and you get tired of doing it. <laughs> You're like I could actually just not do that thing. <laughs> I like I don't want to keep repenting of this. I'd like to actually get better. So there's spiritual disciplines that really can help um, that, including community and other beautiful oh, people gosh, who yeah, have sure. qualities that you, you need in your life. Yeah. But then um, also just setting myself up for success. Just like we're going to talk about with our children, I would set myself up for success and know, you know, I get really competitive when we play cards with our friends. You know, I just think maybe that's not for me right now. And just maybe avoiding a situation that would trigger that. That okay. anger. Yeah. So I would say to the point, after 20 years of that kind of work, I would say I'm not characterized by being quick to be angry mm-hmm. anymore. So I think that we take the long view, like we say all the time in parenting. So the, the feelings are not bad. No. But the responses can be very bad. Your response as a parent, their response as a child. Mm-hmm. Which is what the thing that you're trying to teach to. That's you're right. You're trying to... Yes. So you can be angry, you can be sad, whatever. Let's not stay there and enjoy our anger Mm -hmm. or wallow in our sadness. Recognize it. It's a thing. Let's figure out why it's there. Um, Feel it for a minute. Yes. And then move out of it into something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's easy. um, It's easy to wallow. Mm -hmm. The reason you stay in an emotion like that is because you're actually getting something from it. That's right. So if you're in, if you're sad, and you find that sadness brings you attention, which children often do because mm-hmm. parents want to fix it, mm-hmm. then it kind of promotes 
maybe I should, it's like I teach, like I'm dog <laughs> teaching them. Yeah. Oh, sadness gets me attention. Right. So every time I fall and skin my knee, if I cry a little more, I get a little more snuggle. Mm. Or I get a cookie or whatever it is that's mm-hmm. going to cheer me up. Mm-hmm. So you learn, you need to be cheered up. Um, it's not to just respond callously to sadness in your child. Of course you want to comfort them. Of course you want to um, band-aid their skin knee and give them a little kiss and snuggle up a little bit. But you don't have to just encourage the wallowing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so true. So what we're talking about here, the fancy word is emotional regulation. So it is about expressing emotions in a socially appropriate manner. So if you do any reading on on emotions in kids, you see if if kids cannot emotionally regulate, they don't have friends. Yeah. I mean, it naturally self-selects mm-hmm. in the classroom and on the playground. Um so they can't manage their lives as well. So it's not just, we're not talking about for your convenience we're doing this. This is for their, to bless their children. We want them to learn to emotionally regulate. Right. But there's stages of this that we can walk them through. And there's just some simple things that you can, you can do to help walk your kid through sadness or any other mm-hmm. emotion. So one of those, the first one is to identify it, put a name to it. Lots of younger kids especially don't have that vocabulary. And we've talked about in our anchor podcast, the emotion wheel Mm -hmm. um, or smiley faces if they're too young, really, to put words to things like which which emotion matches what you're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. Is it really? Are you really sad or is there something else going on under that? And let's figure out why. And then you work on that. Give them, give it a, give it a name. Right. I love that. Give it a name. Then you identify what's triggering those emotions. So what's happened. That's right. Mm-hmm. Eh, we're not going to play cards with our friends. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or we're, we're going to be on the same team, maybe. <laughs> yes. Or no more books about war. No for more books about war. Or so. That's right. That's right. So um, you're identifying the emotion, identifying the trigger. And then third one, Bonnie? Is to just manage those emotions themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, say if you're sad, instead of sitting in sad, and there, I'll just say there's a place for that. If you're grieving, there's a place for sitting in it. And... You can also say, what do I know is going to get me out of these things? So maybe it's going outside. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's taking a walk. Maybe it's talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have those things that you know make you feel better. We'll do some of them. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Take, a, take an action. So when talking about extreme emotions, the Psalms are a great place to go because they just, they hit them all. They do. They hit the highs, the lows, the in-betweens. And so David does this three-step process in Psalm 42 and 43, and it's just helpful to um, to notice that. He says, why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So let's just talk about this. In Psalm 42 and 43, he's describing himself as downcast and disturbed, and he even says, my tears have been my food day and night. It's pretty sad. So he's identifying it. Mm-hmm. He's putting a name to it. This is what it is. This is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. And and um, as a mom, that's what we want to help our kids do. Mm-hmm. We want to help them like identify what's going on, recognize the feeling, give it a name. I see you're feeling upset. I see you're feeling sad. It's okay to feel that way. Or I'm sorry that you're feeling down. Right. I understand. I felt that way too before. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're identifying. Then you identify what triggers those emotions. So in earlier in the chapter of Psalm 43, 
he identifies the cause of his sadness. There's an injustice, and he feels abandoned by God. He says, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Hmm. So he's feeling abandoned by his friends and also attacked by his enemies. And he's like, and hello, God, where are you? Right. I'm mad. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sad and I'm mad. I love the Psalms. They're so comforting. God (laughs) can take it all. There's nothing, no emotion that he cannot handle. Um, So this is where you listen. Just listen. Sometimes listening is the fix when you can't fix. Mm. So you just say, hey, can you tell me about what's bothering you? And when you show your child that you understand their feelings and share that, that can be all they need. Mm-hmm. Just t- lifts that burden a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't give them the impression that you'll fix everything for them, nor do you want to. But it does show that you're willing to sit there through it with them. Yeah. And this is super powerful. So as your kids get older, there there will be things you can't fix more and more. Yep. Things that happen to them. And yeah, being heard, listening to them and saying, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. That seems that must really hard. Blank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very powerful. Powerful. I've I've seen it in my own life and I've felt it, you know, when I when I've like needed to just dump some sadness. Like, I just felt like I was carrying it, physically carrying it. And then David was like, okay, tell me what's going on. And I could just share it with him. And we learned this early on in our marriage. He just needed to hear it. He wanted to go to fix it, Mm -hmm. which we're telling you, you don't have to necessarily do. But um, I just, you know, we just worked through it. And I just said, no, you actually don't need to fix it. Yeah. Or I would say, yep, this one I need fixed. So, okay, (laughs) I'm going to tell you my feelings and now you can fix it. Um. Being heard is is a beautiful, powerful thing, and we we don't listen to each other much. Yeah, we're often culture. quick to talk, and we want to offer the advice or the lecture or the, hey, yeah, that happened to me one time too, and let me tell you my story about that, which is not appropriate. Just hear them where they are, and oh, yeah, that's so true. Let it flood. Yeah, over let me you. tell you my story. I don't. I don't want to hear your story. Yeah, I'm telling you my story. <laughs> Back up a minute. Yes. No. Oh, and and while you're um, identifying what's triggered these emotions, you want to be patient with your child. They can't make themselves be positive or happy. They can't like will it into immediate change of heart. Right. I mean, you can work. You can help them work towards a change of heart, but expecting them to just be like, okay, we've talked about this. Now we're move along, move along. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe if it's just a little board game, you know, and it didn't turn out like you wanted, or oh, you've right. skinned your knee. Okay, maybe you can move right along. But telling people to move along when yeah. they're sad is that never works. Not helpful. That never works. No. So I I had a little not a beef, but a question about this one because um, a lot of times, and I did this in my parenting. When my kids' emotions got, like, way too out of control, Mm -hmm. they're, like, way off the charts, crazy, or temper tantrum, screaming mad, sad, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I would say, okay, look, you're really upset right now, and I'd go put them in their crib or isolate and say, I will check back with you when you have a happy heart. Mm -hmm. So is that or is that not invalidating their emotions? Yeah, I feel like it is validating their emotions because you're letting them continue on. They just don't get to bring down the whole house with them. So especially in terms of these wild emotions, like mm-hmm. temper tantrums kind of things. I always felt like a temper tantrum needed an audience. It, yeah, It kind of got, got bigger and bigger with an audience. And so I was like giving them a tool by isolating them to to help self-regulate. 
It's like, okay, you do. How how's this going for you? Doing this in your <laughs> your crib by yourself? Is it as fun? Uh-huh. Is it as fulfilling? Mm-hmm. And then when you can hear me, I'm going to come in and we're going to work through this. Okay. Um. So. So it's kind of like, all right. I see you have some really big feelings right yes. now. Let's just let you take a minute to calm down. Mm-hmm. You let me know when you when you're ready to come talk about it. Yep. Yep. And so I, I, I think it can be, if you're not careful with the isolating, it can feel like, yeah, you don't get to be with us when you're feeling the big things. Yeah. But I, I like with a lot of things we, we did when we were raising our kids, we asked ourselves, you and I both, I think, did, Bonnie, what are we characterized by? Mm-hmm. Are we characterized by welcoming opinions, feelings? I would say we were. I think maybe if you stop it, if you, okay, go to your mm-hmm. room, you're having big feelings, you can come out when you're happy. Mm-hmm. And if you end it right there, that might send the message of, yeah, only That's happiness is accepted here. Yep. No other good feelings. Yep. Um, so you have to take that next step and then work through. Let, why? What happened yes. there? Like, what was going on with you? And why were you so sad and upset? And how could we maybe have handled that better? Could you have used your words differently? Mm-hmm. You don't just stop it with, okay, now you're happy. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. And you never talk about the emotion that started it in the first place. Yes, you're right. You're right. If you just isolated and then said, okay, you can rejoin us when you're done and never walk them through it. Oh, that's not really getting to the heart of your child. Okay. Well, that's a, that's probably a step that a lot of us miss. I pr- I'm sure I missed the boat on that one um, myself. So, yeah. So, but I do think that, um, and this is, this is my personality, like an ISTJ, Myers-Briggs, for those of you who love the Myers-Briggs, we love decorum. Like we love, um, like big displays of emotion mm-hmm. um, and like the yelling or the the sobbing mm-hmm. we're talking about sadness today like I feel like that is not courteous to the people around me so I would never put them through that only like an inner circle would I do that with mm-hmm. because I feel like it's not courteous now that is my perspective that is not every personality type's perspective right or every culture or every culture's perspective <laughs> right. so obviously I was parenting from that place right. of you know what you need to learn to self-regulate because that is not courteous to your friends or your family members and um, also I want you to have friends <laughs> if you are volatile that's going to hinder you mm-hmm. in your relationships in life and it's going to make you not likable not as likable and so I want you to have a successful life. Go back to the beginning. I want you to be happy. Yeah. I want you to have relationships. That's not how to build healthy right. um, relationships or draw people to you. So be sad. But here's some parameters mm-hmm. in which, unless you're by yourself, and then be sad all you want, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I mean, Jesus wept at the tomb sure. of Lazarus, and there's, that's a big crowd of people mm-hmm. there. So certainly, and we're talking about death. Right. You know, in that situation, certainly there are, um, I, you know, Jesus experienced all of our emotions without sin. And so you see, yeah, there's times we can, we just let that out. Mm-hmm. And it's, there is a time for weeping and sadness and we need to acknowledge it and let people sit Yeah, in the sadness. Just Sometimes give them space. it's just time thing. Yep. Um, and so that's what I think you're doing. Back to your question. I think when you isolate, you are letting them sit in their sadness. Mm-hmm. We're just not going to knock the whole house down with us yeah okay okay fair enough so then the third step we talked about helping children manage those emotions themselves if you look to the psalms again you see at the end of the psalm david does manage his emotions he talks to himself and reminds himself of what is true self-talk 
in the ancient world before all the self-help books. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So he's talking to himself. Now, wait a second. Why are you so downcast? Yeah. Okay, I will praise him again. He doesn't say I'm praising him now or I'm feeling great now. He just says, I will. Yeah. The sun will come out tomorrow. It will change. mercies are new every morning. Yes. This too shall pass. All of these things. Yes. David knows. And he's like, I'm sad for right now. I can look forward to tomorrow. Yes. So when like a dear friend gets a terrible diagnosis, what I do now, which I have not done for the majority of my adult life, is I is I walk through this these steps and I I say to myself, okay, what is true? Yeah. What do I know that's true? I know that God is loving. He's mm-hmm. all loving. I know that God is sovereign. I know that Jesus has conquered death. Even if this illness ends in death, mm-hmm. I know Jesus has conquered death. I know that their name is written in the book of life. I, you, I have to keep telling myself yeah. those things. And I, I kind of talk to myself and go, are you really having to tell yourself those things mm-hmm. when you're sad? Yeah, yeah I you, really am. <laughs> yes. We all need those reminders. I really do have to remind myself. Yeah. So good. So as a parent, do you notice things that trigger sadness in your children? This is how you're helping like manage. The children don't have a lot of volition. They don't have a lot of control over their lives. Are you constantly setting your kid up for a failure mm-hmm. by putting them in situations where they're going to be sad? Eventually, we stopped reading the books about war. <laughs> right. I finally just said, you know what? You're sixth grade. What do you want to study in history? There you go. <laughs> and we just, I just like let her have a pass on that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, it, the cost benefit is not there for me. Right. Until maybe she's a little bit further down the road. And, and can, can, that's right. That's right. Sure. So if you know that every, you know, your parents are separated maybe. And every time they come back from a weekend with dad, there's an issue. They're going to be mm-hmm. sad. Or Sunday nights, which is common. They have to go back to school on Monday morning. And Sunday nights can be kind of a, well, for adults too. Oh, work starts a whole new week. Like, what is this going to bring? It mm-hmm. Anxiety and a lot of things like that. Um, just help them think through how they can be, how they can manage this stuff differently. Like, um, what are your expectations for the week? Yeah. Are they way too high? Mm. Or are they way too low? Um, and get some routines in place around these triggers. You know yeah. that, you know, Sunday is going to come around every week and there's always going to be a Monday. What what some things we can do Sunday night to alleviate this mm-hmm. Monday morning thing? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get some stuff ready. Put it in the mail. Monday morning, I'm going to put a particularly optimistic and fun note in your lunchbox so that you can look forward to that. You know, something like that, something mm-hmm. positive. Which also leads into another thing you can do. Help your children notice when they're feeling good. When they're interested in something, um, help them discover the positive parts of their days. One thing you guys did, and we copied you, was you did highs and lows at the dinner table with a focus on the highs. Mm-hmm. I've done this with lots of students, you know, teaching at tutorials. We have lunch table discussions. It's a mm-hmm. great way to just get pe- people talking right? when they don't know each other very well. You see the dispositions come out. <laughs> Some immediately can do the lows. Yes, and some are like, oh, here's my high, so I have to pick just one. Yes, exactly. And so you get to know those kids as you mm-hmm. should know your own. Mm-hmm. And if you know that your one kid is always going to start with the lows, we'll flip that. Mm-hmm. We're always mm-hmm. going to start with highs. And you need to tell, before you can say anything negative, you're going to come up with three things positive. And just hearing yourself say those three positive things, mm-hmm. 
makes your lows maybe not so low. It does change your script in your head a little bit. It does. And your and I think it changes your brain chemistry. The more you practice gratitude, well, sure. like you're actually it's medicine yes. for you. Um so, and you did another thing besides highs and lows. You said, how do we see God at work today? How did I see God at work? Which mm-hmm. is also a high. It I mean, is. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. It is. So it's helping you have your little antenna up because you know you're going to get asked that question to look for positives throughout the day. Look mm-hmm. for places where um, something creative happened or something kind happened. So you, you can report on that. Um, what made you smile? Who was kind to you? Mm-hmm. What good thing did you do for someone else? So... You're elevating the opposite virtue. So if your child is tends to be negative or tends to be sad, you're elevating positivity, mm-hmm. optimism, hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, the melancholy person uh, can really spiral into the poor, pitiful me mindset. Everyone's done something, something to me. No one is nice to me. Everyone is against me. So when our kids are melancholy... The focus is tending to be on themselves. Yeah. So we just want to be sure they're not too focused on themselves, being self-centered, and just help them redirect. Think about others. Yeah. It's not all about you. That's a, just ask that question, like, who are you thinking of right now? Sometimes that can help, because there's that, I'm, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm going to go eat worms thing again. So, yeah. Yeah. So in addition to those three steps, identify the emotion, identify the trigger and help them work through it. There's other things we can do um, to help our kids emotionally regulate their sadness. So it's no coincidence that doing something for someone else, being generous, being kind, welcoming, helpful, outward focused, actually improves our mood and generates endorphins, those happy hormones. Right. You think that scripture might have done that on purpose, put all those one another references <laughs> in there on purpose because we're supposed to live life abundantly? Yeah. Uh, maybe that helps us naturally self-inclined humans to actually think of someone else once in a while. So this is especially true and helpful for kids who tend to kind of be like Eeyore in their moods. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Just do that. So you can help your children work on increased social connection. Social isolation is not a good recipe for an improved mood. Look at the last two years. Right. Oh my goodness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not good. So you need somebody else's face. To reflect a different emotion to you. Yeah. All you're doing is looking in the mirror at that same sad expression. You're going to get more sad back. Yes. Use somebody else. Community. Also, make sure you're getting enough sleep. Nutrition is good. And you're going outside. Being outdoors in the sun with your feet on the earth can improve your mood dramatically, even if it's just five or ten minutes a day. Yeah, it's... It's really interesting. I was talking to Emma about this, like when little Dottie Lou gets grouchy, she's having a bad day, which is sadness. That's what we're talking about. She can't really tell her why she's sad. She's nine months old. But she said, we just, we get outside. We put our feet in the grass. Mm -hmm. We get some fresh air. And almost always, she says, that elevates the mood. Sure. Like it just flips the switch. I think we're made to be out in nature. We are. We are. And... Um, we're chronically sleep deprived nation. So make sure your kid is getting enough sleep. Um, make sure they're not eating junk. See our three part episode on food. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Snacking is a recipe for obesity. Say the French. (laughs) Just be sure you're getting good nutrition. That's right. (laughs) So this is a big one. Limit or better yet, eliminate. You're going to die. All screens (laughs) until age 10. Okay, wait, all screens? All screens. Till age 10. Yeah, I know that sounds impossible. It is not impossible, actually. And stay tuned 
for a two-part series that we're going to have in the future about technology in general. But let's suffice it to say for now, some kids are much more sensitive to digital stimulation. And if you give it to them too early or too much exposure to screens and even educational screens in school, they can really have a negative effect. So replace those screens with interactive activities, especially social or outdoor ones. Yeah, that that was shocking to me. So I I have an aunt and uncle that we admire very much and patterned a lot of our just family life on. We just watch them from afar too, which just tells you you don't have to be doing life with somebody to really have an influence, mm, like mm-hmm. day in and day out kind of life. But they they had two girls and they did this. They did the no screens, no in their whole house, no screens. Yeah. And it's just radical how differently those girls would play and their attention spans when we would they would come for visits and we would all play together you know the cousins um my daughter-in-law Caitlin I think grew up without yeah pretty much screens pretty Mm -hmm. much um same her creativity through the roof yeah her ability to focus and concentrate amazing right and this is like what we've done through most of human history so Mm -hmm. it is not impossible Mm -hmm. it's not I noticed that um on vacation when I kind of put my phone away and I, I don't have my iPad because we're traveling, right? We have, we're seeing new places. Mm-hmm. Um, after like the first day, my brain starts to clear. I start to have like much more focus. I have the ability to um, think longer trains of thought. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just, I think that's just a mechanism of the distraction. It, well, it constantly. is, but it's also a chemical rewiring of your brain. I know there are therapists and psychologists dealing with screen addiction and things like that who won't even see the first visit of the child until they are off screens for two weeks. Wow. Because after that two weeks, they are literally a different person. So they just, it's a waste of time to try and work with them with that, still, with that addictive stuff yeah. going on in their brains. Oh my goodness. Right. So that, like, wow. it's, it's big. Wow. Stay tuned on that one. That's I know. This is your it is. Food triggers me and screens <laughs> triggers you, Bonnie. It does. <laughs> I'm like, this is your food. This uh, is your food topic. It does. So, okay, let's let's have a little note here about toxic positivity. I see this adage a lot of good vibes only everywhere. And while there is some research around positive thinking and how optimistic outlooks have benefits, there is also this thing called toxic positivity, which is what you don't want to do with kids or anybody else who's sad or struggling for that matter. Okay, this is cracking me up because, like, I now want a sign that says no toxic positivity allowed or yeah. something in my house. But so what are you talking about? <laughs> it just sounds so sassy. It <laughs> well, it's like when you demand positivity regardless of the challenges that somebody faces, like, it, it kind of shuts you down and shames mm. your emotions. So if you remember from our previous podcast on anger and fear, we don't want to dismiss or shame our kids' emotions. We're not saying things like, don't be silly. There's nothing to be sad about. Oh, okay. So, so you like, hear this kind of thing all the time. Maybe you don't realize this is it right, actually has a name. But. Right. So you're you're pushing people through to the positivity for your own convenience. Yeah, or your own comfort. Or your own comfort. You don't really like that somebody's sad. Uh-huh. I don't really want it. Good vibes only, please. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of mean. They're like when you tell a parent who's had a miscarriage, we'll just be happy. At least you can have more children. Oh. You know? No, that's terrible. Or that terrible awful horrible adage everything happens for a reason it actually doesn't it doesn't that's right (laughs) it doesn't sometimes things just happen oh goodness or telling okay so you've got here telling someone to get over their grief or suffering and focus on the good things in their life Mm -hmm. you've been grieving long enough. like it's been a year come on surely you're ready to get back out there come on like like be done 
be done with it. Oh. That's, that's hard. Or, or saying so, like somebody tells you a sad story or something they're really upset about, and you're like, oh, yeah, but it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. I know oh, what no. you're so sad about. Oh, no. Okay, we're really bad about this, I think, in, um, even in church cultures, I think, where we should be really um, attuned to people's emotions and, and um, aware of grief because our Savior like he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, right? Uh, so, yes. so we should be experts at this. But I think I've been guilty of this in the past um, of wanting to rush people through these these feelings you're describing, mm-hmm. and just saying like that's uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with that. And the truth is, sometimes you don't have to do anything. Like we go back to your listening comment. Just listen, right? Just sit mm-hmm. and let somebody be heard. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful gift. It's pretty easy, actually. It's not, no, they're not asking you to do much of anything. It's pretty easy. And and then following that up with how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And then let them tell you what they want. Right. Instead of you saying, at least you can have another baby or, yeah. you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Let them tell you. I think all of that is a function of our culture. Yeah. I don't think other cultures are quite so uptight about messy emotions. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. It's the good, stiff British upper lip where the people we come from, right? <laughs> you, and I think you were ahead of the curve on this one because, you know, like, I hate sadness. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I, hate, I, I push myself to move through it as fast as I can. Like, I don't want to sit in that feeling mm-hmm. because it's yucky feeling mm-hmm. to me. Now, my daughter would be like, tears are cleansing. They That's feel right. great. Okay, she has brought me around to that. But I just don't have them as much as she does. Or a lot of people do. And so, yeah, there's one, it's one thing for me to say, I refuse to read sad books, which I've told you for years. I know. I refuse to read sad books. <laughs> it's another thing for me to say, I refuse to hear from a sad person. Yeah. That's not okay. That's right. That's, that's not right. okay. That's relationship. That's right. The other thing is kind of voluntary. That's right. I'm not going to choose for my entertainment something that's sad. Yeah. Fair, that's fair. But I am not going to avoid people because they are sad. Mm-hmm. Or push them through this toxic positivity to get to where I think they need to be so I can be, feel comfortable again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Let's, that's good. Let's all do that. So, so how, yeah, how do you avoid that then? What do you do to avoid toxic positivity? All right. So I know what I've done as I've gotten better at this, probably just in my 40s, Bonnie, I'll be honest. Well, is you've lived just, more and you've seen that just things happen. That's right. And they're going to keep happening. That's right. And so you just you just allow people to speak about their emotions. You just you yeah. you. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Right. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Um, or just checking in. How are you? Right. You know. And you don't always have to have a positive response to Mm-mm. everything somebody says. Mm-mm. To try, it's like a, a frenetic cheer up response. Yes. Which we do with our kids, and we do with other our friends too sometimes. Maybe they don't want to be cheered up. Let them be sad for a minute. Yeah, just to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that really must be hard. Hug, hug, pat, pat. Oh, <laughs> right, you yeah. Know. Let's go have lunch. Um, so also negative emotions often coincide with other powerful positive emotions. Like you're not going to have a really deep grief unless you also have really deep love. Mm, that's true. So it's kind of pretty. It's kind of beautiful. Like, you don't want to blunt everything. Exactly. Mm. Yes. For sure. Oh, so, yeah. That's true. You were telling me about your, one of your favorite podcasts is Make Prayer Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Amy Joy Lykosh. 
And she really like like this has just been in the last year. I've been very convicted uh, listening to her podcast. Um, she does prayer mentoring. I've done some prayer mentoring with her, and um, she's got some really good teaching on this. And I just copied a recent teaching. I think I'll just read it to mm-hmm. us, and we'll talk about it. So she says, "Yes, joy is part of the Christian life. It's one of the fruit of the spirit. But when it's time to lament, then lament. How can you lament well?" Sometimes a person feels pain or sadness because they're believing a lie, like I'm a failure or God abandoned me. Neither of these statements is true, but they feel true and they cause pain. But sometimes we have pain that's not based on a lie. Sometimes the parent dies. Sometimes the child gets an unwanted diagnosis. Some things in life are deeply, terribly sad. When pain comes from sorrow, give the sadness to Jesus. And then she just gave an example of how she would talk to Jesus about this. Jesus, I'm not strong enough to carry this sadness. My shoulders are not strong enough. Thank you that the scripture says of you that surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. You are strong enough to carry this sadness. I am not. I give it to you. Your word also promises peace that passes understanding. Because you promise it, I don't have to wonder if it's for me. It's a gift you give and I receive it. Let me grieve the right amount. Let me share your heart, but don't let me get stuck in grief. Let me share your heart in all things, both in sorrow and in joy. So I I was really grateful for that perspective is, is that because when you do become a good listener, which I think I've become a much better listener in my 40s than any other season of my life, Mm -hmm. you do carry stuff. Yeah, you, you walk do. away from that two-hour conversation and just heavy. Mm-hmm. You're feeling heavy, and she, um, in another um, episode, talked about um, just talking to God and say, "God, what do you want me to feel? I want to feel what you feel about this, and feel the feelings, and talk through them with Jesus, and then eventually, at some point, you just say, "Okay, now you're going to have to carry that. Mm-hmm. I can't carry that." Um, I, we can bear one another's burdens, but we can't carry them all the time. That's right. And so I'm bearing them to the one who can bear them. Yeah. Completely and fully and totally. Right. And that's a great thing to teach your kids, too, is like, don't forget the prayer aspect of when you're really sad, giving it to God. Mm-hmm. Praying this prayer that that um, she just said in this podcast yeah. or something similar. You can. Yeah, you can help your children mm-hmm. bear those sorrows to Jesus. Help them do it. Help me carry this. And Mm -hmm. it's a great reminder they're not alone. Not only is mom and dad there or siblings and friends, but God, God's always there. God's going to help you carry it for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So C.S. Lewis wrote in The Great Divorce, some mortals say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. We don't know how it's going to work. No more tears or crying or pain, but it, it will be. And that's one of those truths you tell yourself right. in the midst of all the sadnesses yeah. of this life. So it's okay if you're going to be sad and it's okay to be negative sometimes, but follow the steps that we've kind of laid out in this thing and help your child. If your child is chronically that and has has an issue with maybe with wallowing, then work take a through it. Look. Yeah, work through it. And nothing like parenting to like do some work on yourself. <laughs> Just always. thinking of, you know, you are the, setting the tone of your home, moms mm-hmm. and dads. Like what a beautiful tone you could set if you worked through this yourself and your home could be a place where sadness is, a, it's a safe place to be sad, but it's also a place of joy. 
yeah. and acceptance. That's great. I love that. I love it. Thanks for listening. This is Caitlin, Renee's favorite daughter-in-law, and I'm from Murfreesboro. The resources mentioned on this podcast will be on the website, justaskyourmom.com. You can follow the podcast on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. Leave a review, rate us, or better yet, subscribe so that you'll get a new episode each Monday. Send us your topic suggestions. You can email Podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Just Ask Your Mom. Mm-hmm.